4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. 4 o'clock hours here. Got a lot done in the 3 o'clock hour. A lot more to get to. It's Cofield, Willie Ramirez along in a little bit. He was out at the Raiders facility today so a lot more information coming in on henry ruggs and most of it is uh, absolutely awful we found out the name of the victim i think it's really important to mention her name and not just uh rugs 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 uh tina tintor 23 years old was the woman who was killed on uh, rainbow uh, right near spring valley parkway that was on tuesday morning um, other details include uh, rugs was driving 156 miles an hour at one point impact was 127 miles an hour his blood alcohol was point one six one uh and we talked to justin watkins in our number one who said uh nevada is a little different than other states in terms of leniency when it comes to this stuff do uh dui related deaths uh cases like leonard little back in uh 1998 uh missouri and st louis basically did nothing to leonard little and the nfl suspended him eight games so he was back on the field in his rookie season got to play in a super bowl a year and a half later um and it got a, a little better from the nfl standpoint um, with cases after that, like Dante Stallworth, where he got a year away from the league, but uh, South Florida basically did nothing to him as well. It was probation and a lot of community service, so that's all to be played out with uh, rugs. I'll tell you, one of the disturbing things that I've seen, and I'm a big defender of Las Vegas, is this notion uh, very much from outside the market that, well, what do you want? You know, what do you expect? It's Las Vegas. No, 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 no. We've talked about this a bunch of times when it comes to uh, people mentioning that college athletes shouldn't come here. Parents shouldn't send their high school kids to Las Vegas because it's just so dangerous. If you look around the country, kids are getting in trouble everywhere. Um, You know, if there are character issues on your team or with the player or with their parents, bad things can happen anywhere in this country. Um, and as far as the NFL coming to Vegas, oh, and that was a bad move. Stop, please. Please. I saw a comment that a lot of people are jumping on, just a rando on social media. Someone said, stuff like this is going to keep happening. Maybe not quite this bad, but having young men play football and live in Las Vegas was a horrible idea. Now a young woman is dead. This takes me back to a rant I've done many, many times. Uh, One, the amount of money and the ability to buy high-powered cars. First of all, that can happen anywhere. Um, That can happen in any NFL market. That can happen in any major league market when it comes to sports. Hell, we've had it happen in this market. It can happen with CEOs, you know, or kids of rich people. Right. Where they feel they're above the law. And in terms of there's a couple of rants here. First of all, when people brought this up, say, five, four years ago. With the NFL coming to Vegas, all the dangers of Vegas, the casinos, the 24 hour drinking, all the vices. I fired back at the time and I'm like, you know, based on the history of the National Football League, Do we want the players and the organizations here? 
Like we feel like we had a pretty safe community. When you start bringing in major league athletes, that's that many more millionaires. That's that many more people who feel potentially like they're above the law. Like, are we going to be safe? And I remember doing this rant because it also piggybacks this rant. When we, the media, try to deep dive these stories, also call for accountability when athletes and super wealthy people appear to get a break from the justice system. And I brought it up many times. We live here. When you come into our community and you could be a danger to us, that's real life. And I know I've done this rant many times around the athletes of the UFC. And I know with John Jones, I've mentioned it many times, but I've mentioned it with celebrities, you know, Paris Hilton coming to town or Lindsay Lohan, you know, whether they're driving or not. Maybe they've got something, someone driving for them, but we could all be at risk of being freaking T-boned by some lunatic who believes they're going to get probation in the end. And we've seen way too many of these cases around the country. So I do want to stand up for Vegas. Like the NFL was brought here. The NHL was brought here. And before you're like, oh, nothing happens with the NHL. Oh yeah. You think, I don't know. Let's go back to uh, MGM pool and Jared Stull from the LA Kings with a, you know, a Coke and uh, freaking Molly pop. Um, Vegas is fine. If you can't handle Vegas, that's a you problem. There's some more opportunities to get in trouble here, but those who have discipline, those who have good character, those who think ahead and plan a little bit, they're fine in Las Vegas. Those same people would get in trouble in just about any market. But I've told you a million times, man, when we asked for the justice system to freaking send messages on people like Floyd Mayweather, Paris Hilton. I mean, Josh Jacobs, that, that case is still a weird case where he crashed in the tunnel. Pac-Man Jones coming to town, instructing buffoons around him to start shooting up Mink's nightclub. You know? John Jones. Dana White said a couple of weeks ago, oh, we can't bring John to Las Vegas. Wait, where the problem? It's been in trouble multiple times in New York and Albuquerque. Where the problem? Other fighters, you know, Nick Diaz, with a DV issue in the last year. We had a, we had a UFC example where uh, people are standing in line trying to get freaking dinner a couple of years ago at the Palms, go, go to the buffet, and all of a sudden there's like multiple fighters, Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman and this, you know, buffoon manager, uh, Ali Abdelaziz. They're, 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 they're brawling in the line. I just want to have some ribs and some soup, a little Chinese food. I got to worry about getting punched in the head by Colby Covington. So, like, Vegas is not the problem. Hell, you know, we all kind of laughed it off. Dwayne Haskins coming here and having issues with whoever it was, fiance, wife. So, like, we're, we're not the problem, all right? This is, a, this is a bigger problem. We've got people who are enabled, feel entitled. And now that we hear more of the details on the rug story, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's infuriating. It really is. And, and especially the details... You know, that area where he was driving, and now that I didn't realize where he lived, I mean, I personally, I'm up and down Rainbow all the time. And my God, if there's a guy driving a Corvette, 110, 120, 100, you know, 50 miles an hour, I'm guessing that's not the only time he exceeded the speed limit on Rainbow. That's freaking, that, that, that is real life. And people in Vegas need to push back on folks outside the market who are like, pro sports, college athletes coming to Vegas, it's too dangerous there. We're, we're fine. It's people coming here.
that are creating absolute upheaval. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. The most difficult thing is sustained greatness, I think, in any sport. That is definitely the most difficult thing because they are just waiting for you to show a chink in the armor, a slight fall off, so that they can, you know, they can bury you. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Aaron Rodgers, the center of a firestorm, certainly not as serious as what's going on with Henry Ruggs and his crash and the death of a 23-year-old here in Las Vegas. Uh, let's get into Rodgers, and let's get into the the Vax story here and the responsibility of a quarterback as a leader of an organization. Caleb Herring played quarterback at UNLV. is a, a great study on on QBs. If you listen to the broadcast and you listen tonight to the Marcus Oreo radio show after 6.30. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How about you? Uh that's been weird the last couple of days. It's very, it's the whole thing is very sad. And like I said a couple of minutes ago before we went to break, um, I don't like to see Las Vegas bashed. I've been here for a long time, and when I hear, hey, I um, mean, you know, maybe the NFL blew it by landing in Vegas, I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it, man. And I, I you know, I think uh, again, it, this is a, this is a bigger thing with the justice system, and you know, you work in law enforcement, and uh, I just, I don't think we send the message consistently enough with, especially super wealthy with supercars that. Uh, there are ramifications when you do something horrific like this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I agree with you first with the Las Vegas getting smeared angle. I mean, I'm raising a family here, and Vegas is a great place, you know, to raise families. There, there's more to Vegas than what people see, you know, what what's advertised across the country. So I agree with that angle, and that, I also agree with the fact that you know the the crime and punishment uh, side of things, and as far as the legal aspect of of who gets away with what, and you know, the bail system, if you want to go into that argument is 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 kind of it's kind of unfair and uh, i think people get away with far too much and situation like this happen and um you know it's unfortunate that vegas as a place gets a bad rap for it but it's it's the legal system in totality i mean people get away with this kind of thing all the time and it's unfortunate it's sad like you said that it's tragic um victims not mentioned nearly enough in this case and there's been countless victims of similar tragedies um unfortunately all across the nation it's not just a vegas thing it's everywhere but yeah i i completely agree i, I listened to your rant a little bit it was I mean, spot on, man. I agree with you. All right, let's talk about the responsibility of the quarterback uh, to an organization and then trying to blend it in with, you know, the the vax and the unvax and people trying to make statements and trying to be careful because they want to do more research. This Aaron Rodgers thing is fascinating. It is. I, it's, 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 I mean, the angles that how did he get away with it for so long? They were talking about how he's he's not been wearing a mask as is required of unvaccinated people, like things like that, that, geez, he's really been getting away with it for most of the season, right? But, um, no, it's it's important. I think when whenever there's a team oriented uh, uh, or team goal or initiative, the leaders have to lead, and without a doubt, the quarterback is the ultimate leader when you're talking about a football team. So, um, I think you know if if the the mantra was hey, hey everybody get on board, we're going to sacrifice our personal feelings to make it the best decision for the team, then you want your quarterback to be the the leader of that, and it works best when that's the case, especially when it's your franchise guy who's who's made such a big stink all offseason about, you know, what his 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 feeling about the organization and uh, the leadership over the organization and not doing right by the players or, or by his former teammates or by him. 
um, that's kind of ironic in a painful way that he's the one that could potentially be holding this team back from doing uh, or reaching their full potential. That's kind of that's it's strange, you know, that maybe so much of the offseason talk with Aaron Rodgers was about him coming back or him retiring. And we weren't focused nearly enough on his feelings or his his personal attitude towards the vaccination. So he was able to kind of slide under the radar in that way. But it, it definitely stinks to not have your leader. And I think it's it's it sends the wrong message if you're the leader that's not willing to sacrifice or, um, you know, put your personal ideations behind you in order for the greater good of the team. And with this Vax thing, it's it's a really, really tough one. It, I mean, it's it got a, l- a lot personal for guys and political and personal and, and people really took stances on it. Aaron Rodgers wasn't as boisterous as others about his his vaccination status. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate that his decision as an individual could be affecting the team much the same way that, you know, he criticized the organization's decisions about the way they're impacting the team and himself personally. So it, it, as it unfolds, we'll see. I, I, it's crazy that it, that it's got to this point. And at this time in the season, like you said earlier with the Kansas City game coming up and um, wh- who knows what implications this game has down the season, not a division opponent, but who knows, you know, what, what implications this has throughout the sports world if Aaron Rodgers is unavailable for, you know, a big chunk of the season. Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV. He's the analyst for UNLV football on radio. Uh, you play the position, so you dealt with wide receivers. And I don't want to brand all wide receivers as divas or, you know, drama guys. But I do find it fascinating with, and there are two different cases, but with Deshaun Jackson wanting out of Ramsland, and I wonder what the Raiders do now. Like, is he going to be happy, you know, with the Raiders? And the other one is Odell Beckham, you know, now his dad's making social media stuff and, like, you know, criticizing Baker Mayfield. I just... I don't know, man. I just feel like guys lose sight of the big picture, and and like there's never a reality check. Like maybe someone's not going to want you when you act like this. Yeah, I, it, nobody wants to have a bad teammate, and they come in all positions. But uh, wide receivers, maybe unfairly, but in my in my opinion, somewhat rightfully so, have this rap of being divas, and it's it's necessary. There's sort of a chip on your shoulder that you have to play with when you play receiver, and it's the same thing with corner, um, because you're you're one on one a lot of the time. It's you mono a mono versus the guy you got to win your route etc cetera, etc cetera. so you kind of naturally get this sort of uh sort of feeling about yourself that it's me against the world and also you're you're out there by yourself a lot and you're you know you look at offensive line and defensive line everybody's kind of huddled around the ball every play and you're literally on an island you're exposed more for people to see and you you tend to make the bigger plays of your offense and there's there's numbers to back that up to what the receivers make big plays and that's what people want to see is the big plays down the field so you get that goes to your head and your value kind of goes to your head and in, in the scheme of things. But um, there's guys that take it too far. And OBJ was one of those guys early in his career. He hasn't been as much lately, but it's it's resurfacing. There's there's guys definitely that, uh, like you said, Deshaun Jackson, who wants out of who's making a fuss in L.A. There's been others that have done the same thing. But I think especially in OBJ's case, I think the Cleveland Browns making it to the playoffs essentially without him last year you would think would be a humbling experience for him to say, you know, maybe I'm not necessary. Maybe my job on this team isn't the most important. Maybe I should, you know, realize that I shouldn't be such a diva and I should kind of roll with the punches and get in where I fit in. But I mean, at least from his dad's perspective, he's, he's, he's still the most important thing for the Cleveland Browns. Um, and I, it, it, it is a, a fine line to walk as a quarterback because you have to kind of stroke the ego. You have to feed uh, the playmakers. Sometimes you have to keep everybody, happy and the receivers are a, a part of the everybody that needs to be happy especially as a quarterback um but you at the same time have to get the guys to buy into a team concept first and i think that's the most important thing 
for any group of guys. If you buy into your role in the team and you go out and execute that role, everything usually works out fine. And that's the best teams are the guys with low egos and high camaraderie. And I, I don't think when you make a fuss like that on social media, whether it's your dad or demand to be traded or things like that, I, I don't think you help the team camaraderie. I think you, you put yourself above the team in those instances. Caleb Herring is up with Cofield and company. Right, let's talk about the Rebels a little bit. Um, Marcus Arroyo talked on Monday after the loss against Reno about the emotions of the game. Is that, Do you think that's what happened, that they lost control a little bit of their emotions uh, in getting off to the slow start against the Pack? Uh, I don't think that necessarily was the cause. I do think I, I think that the Wolfpack came out and just took it to him. I think there's there's credit to be given to Reno in that instance. In that case, I, I I definitely think it was a bad matchup considering the strength of Reno's offense was the absolute weakness of UNLV's defense, and they absolutely exposed it and took advantage of it. Injuries on top of that, it it just it just was a, a mismatch on that side of the ball, and uh, Carson Strong took advantage of. Um, of that weakness um, so I think that was a bigger contributor I do think that as things got out of hand and as the Wolfpack kind of jumped on them and it wasn't too bad early 13 nothing at one point in the first half um, I, and and I think the frustration of the offense not really moving the ball in response I think started to build a little bit and the emotions maybe got away at times in the game um, but I don't think that's the reason that they lost the game I, and I don't I, I don't think that that's necessarily what coach Roy was saying like that that that's the only reason I, it, I think it played a part but I think the first reason that they lost the game was that the Wolfpack played better on that night uh, and they played a lot better um, in my and what I watched especially for the first half they played a lot better brand of football and I think I, I'll say this out loud I think that Wolfpack passing game with Carson Strong and the talent that they had a receiver probably the best that they've seen all season long I know they're not the highest ranked team they played but that offensive execution in the passing game was the best they've seen all along. And they, they got what they wanted from the Rebels defensively. So I think that was the bigger storyline than the emotions. And we, we've been a part of emotional games up there in Reno. And that, to me, I mean, it got chippy at times, but it was nowhere near as emotional as it has been in the past and definitely didn't break out into an all-out brawl like it, like it did in 2019. So um, emotions were a factor, but not the main factor in my estimation. What would you make of the Brennan Scott incident where he got his helmet ripped off and appeared to be headbutted multiple times by a Reno player, and then when they threw the flag, it was on Brennan Scott? It, it, it's, it was the most frustrating thing, I think. There's been a lot of frustrating calls for the Rebels this year. That one was probably the most frustrating. I, I think because it was, it was clear as day that, you know, Brennan Scott was the victim of that crime that happened on the field. I mean, that was legitimate I, I guess assault with a deadly weapon is what you call it I mean we we all I, I thought back to when Miles Garrett went after uh, uh, Rudolph with his helmet and it was like you can't hit somebody in the face with they don't have a helmet on that's so dangerous what could have happened and it's like well you can't headbutt somebody who doesn't have a helmet on intentionally from what I saw in the in-house feed on the replay um, and even live Brendan Scott's reaction it was was minimal compared to what it could have been or should have been based on getting headbutted in the face with the helmet repeatedly. I mean, it was, it was gruesome to watch. I was like, come on. And, and then the fact that he got the flag for it was just added insult to injury. So I, I mean, there's been controversial calls, reviews and things that just haven't broken the rebels way. That was to, in my opinion, a clear miss by the officials. Um, and I think anybody that's a reasonable human being should be allowed at least an emotional response to what happened um, to Brenda Scott. And it, like I said, on the in-house replay that we got to see up in the press box, it was clear as day that there was some intent behind that Wolfpack player to cause damage to Brendan Scott face-to-face -face with his helmet, knowing the guy didn't have his helmet on, 
just a repeatedly headbutt him was was about as dirty as it gets. If you were coaching, would you have pulled Cameron Friel from the game at some point? Uh, you know, no, I, I don't think so. And I, I say that because, well, one, in that situation, you really don't have um, a, a number two option that's viable in that situation from what we've seen this season. I think, um, I think what it was more important for me, and this is how I looked at that situation, specifically with the Rebels. I think you have a guy that's going to develop into something in the future in Cameron Friel, a true freshman who's taking his lumps for everybody to see. Um, I think you you want there's a fine line to walk between keeping him confident and being within reach of a game and and trying to go after a win. I think the circumstances in the game at the time that Cameron's play um, was deteriorating, I think was you let him ride it out and you hope he finds his rhythm. It's almost like a, a, a shooter who's who's having a cold streak and you never want to you know say don't shoot anymore. You want to give him the confidence that, hey, you're a shooter. This is what we want you to do. You're doing certain things right. Let's focus on those. Be better at them. Um, but I do think that it, it got hard, and you want to see how he weathers that storm. Um, but in that situation with the Rebels, I think he has to weather that storm, and that's a part of his growth and maturation. Unfortunately, it, it's a brutal part. It's a tough part to go through, but you come out the other side of that a better quarterback. You you come out a better team because you, you, you rally around a young guy, um, and you look toward the future. And like I said with the Rebels, the, the options at quarterback are, are are very thin with Doug Brumfield already out. Um, and then, you know, with, with Justin Rogers not being, you know, as consistent as you thought. Then what you do when you pull a guy in that situation, you you, you throw him in the doghouse and now his confidence is shot. And that's one of the things that you never want to do with a quarterback is take his confidence from him. So um, you want to still have that belief in him, still kind of cater to his growth. So I think leaving him out there to take those lumps was was part of the process. And unfortunately, it got really brutal for him, and and the team winds up losing in a rivalry game probably because of it. But having been there, played through it before, I think I understand full well that getting benched in that situation would have made it worse. And I, for me personally, that's how I take it. And as a coach, I'm sure Coach Roy could probably say the same thing. Taking my whooping and um, going through that bad loss, it hurts. It stinks. But getting benched almost adds embarrassment on top of it. And I, I, you don't want to go through that as a quarterback. It's tough to come back from that. Um, you may need him in the future. So I, I, I say letting him ride that game out was probably the right move. If uh, Doug Brumfield looks 100%, and that's when they're going to play him, I think he's going to have to be you know, 90, 95, 100%. Royal's been pretty clear on that. Should he go right back in? Yeah, I, I, I think absolutely. I think um, if nothing else, we've seen what – experience and reps and in-game reps can do for growth and looking back at Cameron Friel's growth from the first time he started to now he's a better quarterback now than he was back then so and the reason is because the experience he's been getting while Doug's been out um so I think if you if you and I I can say this if you determine that Doug Brumfield is the guy for the future he's going to be the the next the quarterback for the next few years um then you want him to get all the experience in games that he can and if he's 100% he should definitely be out there not just for his growth as a quarterback but also for the fact that you got winnable games left on the schedule. And, I, I mean, if he's 100% this week, he, he'll be out there. I can pretty much bet because there's winnable games left to be had. And nobody in the Rebel program wants to go winless this year. I mean, they felt what that was like in a shortened season last year. They definitely don't want to end this campaign without a win. So um, you want to put your best foot out there for building chemistry, for getting Doug's personal growth up, for getting his, his chemistry with the receivers up, for getting him the feel of being out there. Um, you know, there's all sorts of benefits to playing time. And I think Doug needs the playing time that he's missed this year and um, the team will be better for it. So absolutely. If he's 100 percent, if there's no you know, limitations on what he can do, put him out there. 
Um, anything short of that, though, if there's if he's still got a slight gimp, if his back's still in, inflamed or or whatever the case may be, then yeah, you don't you don't wager the guy's future for a couple of wins late in the year. I think you 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 absolutely are precautious with that. But if he's 100, percent he should be out there on the field getting the reps. Uh, last one, we got about a minute left. College football playoff rankings come out yesterday. Anything you got really mad about? Ah, yeah, you know, I couldn't be mad about the thing that I wanted because I wanted Michigan in the top four, so I couldn't be mad about that. They lost, but I'll take Michigan State winning out just to keep Ohio State out of it and give the Oregon Ducks a chance. They're in the top four um, right now as things stand. But I, I was a little bit shocked at OU being so far, Oklahoma being so far down. And, and I think Cincinnati definitely has a gripe with not being in the top four as an undefeated team. But OU also as an undefeated team with a, a much tougher strength of schedule than Cincinnati being so far down was a little bit of a surprise. I don't know that I'd say I was angry about it because I personally don't think that Oklahoma will be there in the end. I think they stumble um, through the Big 12 and don't make it as an undefeated team. But I, that was a little shocking when it came out. But I got to say I was happy with where things stood in the top four because Oregon was up there. Um, and not Michigan, but Michigan State, who, who won that rivalry game last weekend, um, was in the top four. So I'm actually... I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the top four. Now, the rest of things, you know, all that matters is the top four. The rest of the things will play it as they may. But I'm actually pleased with the way the top four finished. Uh, Cincinnati on the outside looking in, like everybody, if they're being honest, kind of expects at the end of things that Cincinnati may be on the outside looking in. You know, I'm a fan of the little guy, and I don't want to see the little guy basically told every year they have no shot, which, by the way, I, I don't. I think Cincinnati is fine. Uh, there's going to be teams in front of them that lose. I will guarantee that. But I will, I will push back on this one just because we got to see this team play. I saw a lot of people griping about the back end, that the Lafayettes of the world, but especially UTSA that's unbeaten, wasn't included. And, you know, I've told people, based on what I've seen up close, I actually think UTSA was the second-worst team that the Rebels have played this year, and they're unbeaten. I think Utah State was the worst team they played. That's how good the Rebels' schedule has been. Where are you on the Rebels' schedule and where UTSA ranks because I thought they were a solid team but I mean I'm not going to sit here and scream and yell that they should be a top 25 team yeah no I'm not I'm not either I don't I, I mean and there's there's one thing that probably says out they're a good solid football team like you said but their quarterback play I don't think got them over the top as far as I'd say they're elite or, or deserving of any more top nods um they're a solid football team I think UNLV schedule the strength of the schedule is ridiculous <laughs> like looking back at it it's like my goodness what a gauntlet to go through in the beginning of the season if UTSA isn't even the best team that you know that you're talking about, or, or maybe in contention for a game that was very winnable for the Rebels. Um, I, you know, it's it's tough to say that the strength of schedule was anything but difficult for UNLV going into this season. If, but, I'll jump in here real quick. If you put Eric Barrier on UTSA, uh, then I would be yeah, mad. I, as, I would want yeah. Frank. After, he was he was so much better than the kid Frank Harris. I know this and, is like deep divey stuff, but just based on what we got to see up close, and the Rebels have played a lot of these. And by the way. Me saying that they're the second worst team, and I think Utah State was the worst. Utah State six and two. Yeah, and it's, so that's it's not like they were bad. Like these are good teams. Like Utah State's putting together a good season over there under Blake Anderson. It's, it's not like there's no gimme game for UNLV, and it's it's a probably one of the toughest schedules I can remember in UNLV history. Like just looking back at off the top of my head, this has been tough. It's been absolutely tough. And you put Eric Barrier on UTSA, absolutely. I, I have a gripe with him not being ranked higher or or being in the mix in the top ranking. So. Um, and that's that's what the difference a quarterback makes, right? We talk about it all the time. Frank Harris is a, a solid guy to get you through some stuff, but he's not, you know, near the playmakers Eric Barrier, who's setting records at the FCS level. But yeah, I, I I'd agree with you that UTSA may not be um, the level of competition as some of the other teams that you know we play, but that just shows how an undefeated team isn't the wor- uh, isn't 
being talked about as the best team that you played. That's kind of ridiculous when we think about it. Caleb, I appreciate it. We'll see you tonight. Marcus Oreo radio show going down at 630. It's down by the M at the Parkway location on Volunteer. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. Uh, we're about 15 minutes away from going behind the counter. We'll check in at the Westgate and see what's going on with all these uh, wacky stories around the National Football League and how it's affecting the betting. Listen to the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show each Wednesday at 6.30, live at the Parkway Tavern. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Move. All right, rolling on here, Fat Pack. We're going to get out to the Westgate in about 10 minutes, go behind the counter, but Willie Ramirez is in, 5 o'clock hours. We're going to get a lot of the details of what happened down at the Raiders facility uh, this afternoon around the Henry Ruggs crash that uh, killed a 23-year-old woman on uh, Rainbow near Spring Valley Parkway, uh, Tina Tintor. Tina O. Tintor. Um, all right, well, yesterday was an interesting day. I know you tried to unwind a little bit. Cause it was a long work day. And then all of a sudden I see, cause you were, you were talking about going out, getting a, a nice meal. And all of a sudden I see the picture. I'm like, he did it. He did it. <laughs> yeah. Tomahawk steak Tuesday. Tomahawk Tuesday for two. Nice. At a local establishment. Nice. Um, and it was, it's a really good deal. Cause you get two openers, salad or soup, two sides, the tomahawk, two desserts. I mean, and, and if you, you know, these days, these nice uh, steakhouses. If you if you get two steaks, you're you're already at a hundred bucks, if not more. So, yeah, it was much needed, man. Because you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to play the martyr role, but for any of us, for you, for me, I mean, you, myself, and Ari, we're texting first thing in the morning, and you have to mentally prepare yourself to cover such a thing, and re- and keep in mind, just like we heard Rich Basaccio, which we'll touch on later, um, Derek Carr talk about. We all have to keep in mind that while the name that is being thrown out there and that everyone's focusing on Henry Ruggs. Um, we were yesterday spent the day talking about a 23 year old female that perished in this tragic crash and what turned out to be a dog. Um, and I think we may have mentioned on the show that I had through a source had said that the, the, the charred remains were so bad that they couldn't figure out if that second, I thought that I said that. You, did. Was, you said yeah. it on the air that you, the charred remains were so bad that they didn't know if there was something else in the car with her. It could have been a human. It could have been a dog right. or they didn't know. Right. And that was through one of my Metro sources. And as it turned out, it was a dog. So you're mentally preparing to report all this, talk about it. You know, you're working on the rundown. Ari's working on this. I'm doing this. And, and, and then with AP. So yeah, I, I was wore out mentally and physically got home and I said, you know what? I'm still going to go out and with the family friend and, and, and had dinner. No one. Yeah. No one wants to hear the, uh, the gripes. And obviously the, the worst thing here is a woman died in this whole thing. That's but it. When you, when you work around stuff like this and I mean, you know, we get the smallest, 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 I can't even say how small it is snippet of what like first responders go through. Right. Um, but when you do cover stories like this, uh, you know, we, we hear from a lot of reporters covering uh, October 1st. That you know, it couldn't. It, it wears on you. So it does. It affects pleasant, everybody. It's not pleasant stuff to cover. It's real life. It's incredibly sad. Right. It sucks. And I'm not sitting here playing the violin for for you, me, any. But it's just it's everybody. You know, people, family members, parents. I just I brought this up yesterday. 
um, about what it reminded me of of the rear the rear ending and how a car got fired, catches fire, and how it reminded me the last time I heard something like that happen was involving um, the four local kids down in Huntington Beach. I literally just got a private message from a Facebook post that I put on the story because I posted the packed media house. I scanned or the media room at Raiders facility, I scanned it and with text above said packed house for all the wrong reasons, you know, and RIP to the victim. Mm -hmm. And Brooke Hawley's mom, Rhonda messaged me and she said, this has been the worst day ever since because it brings it all back to PTSD that this woman's been going through for Mm -hmm. years. Well, let's try to cheer up someone. Uh, We'll give a pair of tickets out to the Golden Ducks and Canucks game coming up on Saturday, the 13th. It's one pair of tickets. 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7, caller 7, caller 7, 364-1100. If you don't win tickets, you can get your own for the game. You can take advantage of the uh, flight deck special that we've got going on at lvsportsnetwork.com. You use the promo code RADIO. It's 160 bucks a ticket. It's all you can eat and all you can drink. 160 that's the flight deck package from uh, LV Sports Network. It's up on lvsportsnetwork.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. All right, let's go behind the counter. This week in the NFL is crazy because there's so many news items and injuries around the teams. Uh, John Murray out today. Rex Fire stepping in from Westgate in the Superbook. Rex is up with Cofield and Company. Hey, Rex, how you doing? Hey, Rex. Good, man. How's it going? We're good. We're good. We want to find out what's going on with the players, the Sharps, the Squares, you guys, uh, how you're setting the numbers on a lot of these games. So let's start out with... Aaron Rodgers now out. Uh, This was already a very intriguing line. Uh, Rodgers out now for the Packers, and all of a sudden Kansas City has exploded past a seven-point favorite. It's actually funny that you mentioned that. This has been a discussion. When when Sherman left here an hour ago, he specifically said, Ed wants to see more money on the Chiefs. We're using seven and 48. Um, There is some seven and a half higher in that in the market. I like it higher myself, but that's not because I'm pro-Chiefs. I'm very, very anti this quarterback love or whatever for the Packers. I think that Rodgers is clearly the best player in the league and by a lot. And I think that uh, this number shouldn't be higher, but we got to have somebody show us. And until they do, we've got a sharp guy in Colorado that took seven and a half earlier. So until somebody lays to seven, we're going to hang tight here with, uh, yeah. with that number. I agree with you. There was a couple of years ago when uh, Rodgers went down for most of the season where the difference between he and Hunley, Brett Hunley, I think it was more like 10 or 11 points. And I, I think it's about the same. Yeah, man, it's, it's, And I think it's, like I said, this other guy hasn't proven himself, but I didn't like him when he was coming out to begin with. And, you know, I just, I think that, you know, the Chiefs, you know, they may or may not get right, but who's to say? But I, I just think it's seven. That's just extremely cheap. I mean, you know, when you're talking about the Packers without the quarterback, he's clearly worth more than that. No Derrick Henry. What was the effect on the Rams-Titans? Uh, good question. Uh, obviously, the line hasn't moved a whole lot. I think we opened it Sunday at three, before, like we always do. John, Je- Jeff, and Ed and I sort of come up with six and a half and fifty-three and a half, and now we're at seven and a half, fifty-three and a half. So the total hasn't really had a whole lot of effect. And you know, it, it'll be it'll be depending on what the Titans try to do with their game plan. You know, obviously they're going to have to probably throw it a little bit more, but the Rams know that too. So it's it's tough to say. I think he's probably worth more than one point to the line. But, again, it's one of those we, we'll see money probably later in the week that will show us the way. But at this point, haven't seen it yet. Rex, crazy, uh, bizarre betting scenario with the Raiders and Giants. Raiders coming off a bye week and, of course, the tragedy. 3-15 and 15 after a bye week. Those losses, those 15 losses come by an average margin of 14.4 points. They've lost their last four years after a bye. Average margin, 20.5 points. But now you got the Giants and COVID protocol, basically. So many players. What are you seeing happening there? 
another thing you would add to that too is that the Raiders also aren't coached by the same guy who was coaching during those buy fiascos recently. So, uh, obviously a lot going on with that one. Um, we were at three even money. So three's a dog 20. If you want the Giants, you got to lay six to five and 46. And really, to be honest, it's, that's a game where there was some interest early. We had a guy in Colorado that we respect latest two and a half there with the Raiders, and we're just going to sit in the three pool for a little bit. This is, I, I, I think the people are going to want to gather as much information as they can about this. I mean, this is a little lot to digest here over the last 48 hours. Uh, tried this situation, obviously, on Rainbow with the, the receiver, and you know he's no longer part of the organization. That's a big loss, I mean, given what his, his contributions were the last you know, few weeks. So for betting purposes, you know there could be some Giants money, but do you really want to get behind them on a short week? And having to come home, and it's an early start. The Raiders were already really good in the spot once early this year at Pittsburgh. So, you know, that's a game I think I like the Raiders, but I'll need to see a little bit more information. I think as we get closer to Sunday. How are the Sharps reacting to Saints six against the Falcons? You know, it's that's a game where we opened it four and a half, and it shot right up. Um, and I, I can't see why. I think that Winston's worth more to the number than that. And that's why I originally supported the lower number to begin with. I kind of fought for, for I think that maybe a couple guys in the room liked it a little bit higher. And I, you know, I guess I mean, I'm so anti-Falcons, though, that I could never have them anyway. I mean, I made the game five with them out. So, you know, I guess I think that there's probably good money for the, for the Saints thinking that, you know, the way that their offense is run these days, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. They're just, you know, the coach is trying not to get them beat. <laughs> just be conservative as possible and let the defense make plays because the defense is really, really good. As a better, if you're taking the Saints, would you rather have Trevor Simeon in there or Taysom Hill? Wow, great question. I mean, here's the thing. You know what you're going to get with Simeon? You got what you got last week. And it's probably going to be good enough to win this game. But it probably won't be enough to beat any really good teams in the NFC going forward. So, you know, I think that the coach is smart enough. He'll figure out a way to be able to, to mix in Hill when he needs to. But, I mean, I feel like Hill has the higher ceiling but also the lower floor in terms of what they can do. So it's just a matter of how much he's wanting to try to gamble. I think that that'll be dictated on a week-by-week basis based on what's happening around the around the Saints in the standings. Rex Byers, Westgate is here with us. All right, we got Eagles and Chargers going at it. I feel like there's there's sharp money on the Eagles every week. Mm-hmm. So what and, do you think's uh, happening here with this number? Because it does seem low to me. I think you, you, have good, you have good laughs back here because every week I fight with Ned about this because He's always pro Philly, and I've been anti Philly since the first game of the season. And uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Like the week against the Raiders, I was the only person that I was like, I don't know, understand this line. I bet the Raiders like nine times. Like I just couldn't get enough of the Raiders against Philly, and I got that one right. And last week, I knew the spot was horrible for the Lions, but I still had to bet them plus three and a half. Uh, don't worry, never in it. <laughs> and so now they see that, and another bet in Philly again. We did get hit plus three in New Jersey from a guy that we respect a lot. So that game's gone down, and it's in the one one and a half pool. Believe it or not, out of here, it's just all one-way traffic. It's Chargers or nothing. So I think that Ed sort of thinks that the line should be less than three, and we're going to book it low. And, oh, and that's just uh, that's how it, that's how it rolls. We're, we're going to probably end up needing the Eagles out here for a pretty good amount, and he's okay with that. So it's sort of where we, sort of where we are. College football playoff rankings are out, and I've always said, one, this is a TV show, so I wouldn't get too worked up about the, the rankings when they <laughs> put them out. But two, the only thing that matters, Rex, is what Vegas thinks. So what does Vegas think about a potential – uh, Final Four with Georgia, Oregon, Bama, Michigan State. So let's see. You match those up in that, in that order. I guess Georgia would be the one, Oregon the four. Uh, I make that 17.5, and, and Ed would make it closer to 21. Mm. I like his number better. Probably should yeah. be closer to 19.5, 20. And then uh, in Bama, it's Michigan State. I got 20 there, and he's got 22. So <laughs> well, I, I'm so I've lost so much on Michigan State this year that I'd probably just defer to his number and say he's got it right because – 
I've adjusted them up so many times. Maybe it's I've caught I've, I've actually caught and passed them because I was a full touchdown behind me when they played Northwestern. Would you bet the dog in either game? Would I have the dog? Uh, I, I could see myself playing the dog in the Oregon game, but I could have it in the other game. It's Alabama would name the score just with, with offense alone. But but it's, there's a clear Georgia's clearly better than Alabama by a couple points, and then the drop off to Cincinnati. Which we, you know, I don't know if you wanted to bring them up on your own. Go ahead, you bring them up. Throw them in here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that to, to, I have them about ten points worse than Bama, and it has them about thirteen worse. So I have them a little bit better than Ed does, which would make them, you know, ten and a half, twelve, whatever, somewhere depending against those two teams, where he'd have it thirteen, fourteen. But I've got them a full five points, six points better than Oregon, and about ten and a half better than Michigan State, whereas he's got a touchdown better than Oregon. And uh, about nine better than Michigan, eight and a half better so, than Michigan State. So, so, so that kind of gives you an idea. Sometimes right in the middle of those, of the, the, the one and the two and the four and the three and the four. Sorry about that, Rex. Yeah. So, so I'm reading that right. You just said it. So, since he would be in the top four, I think Ohio State would be ahead of all of these teams we just mentioned, except Georgia and Bama, right? That's correct. Ohio State would be ahead of Cincinnati, and that's in that, in the power rating order. That, that would you know, Ohio State's clearly probably close to a touchdown better than Cincy, which would make them you know roughly a field goal or a little bit worse. Than that against the top two, and Oklahoma was a probably was probably a little too low at eight uh, based on Vegas power rankings. I would say so. Let me see if I can find what I've got Oklahoma written down that they play this week or not. I don't see them off the top of my head. I'd have them pretty close to, to Cincinnati. There, there's not a whole lot of difference there. I mean, I, I think Ed bumped them up pretty good when they changed quarterbacks, and that makes a lot of sense. And he didn't really penalize them much for the Kansas loss, and, and I did. I, I don't. I don't there's a lot of alarms going off. If you look at how bad Kansas has been in all of their conference games, and then they give up 52 to Duke, who can't even score against middling to lower level ACC teams, I, 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 I couldn't have anything to do with Oklahoma. Rex, that was awesome, man. We appreciate you stepping in. Thank you so much. Gents, take care. Have a good week. There he is, Rex Byers, who's working behind the counter, one of the managers at the Westgate. Uh, we are at Westgate on Sunday morning, 8 o'clock start. We're there for a couple hours, giving out prizes, doing the Sunday football preview show. So make sure you join us. If you're not down there, you can hear it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. We'll break that down a little more the next couple of days. But uh, the committee is so far off on putting Oregon and Michigan State uh, in the top four by the gambling numbers. I will say this. Those numbers he just mentioned where I could be getting three touchdowns, Oregon against Georgia, I could be getting almost three touchdowns with Michigan State against Alabama. I'll take both of the dogs. Listen to the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show each Wednesday at 630, live at the Parkway Tavern.